0: Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, Chapter 5, Concluded. Christian said, They are indeed two entirely different things, as different as the soul and the body. For as the body without the soul is dead, so saying alone is nothing but a dead carcass. The proof of pure religion is its fruits. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Of this, Talkative is wholly unaware. He thinks that hearing and talking the Christian religion constitutes a Christian. Hearing is only momentarily receiving the seed in the mind and talking about it is not sufficient proof that the fruit is indeed in the heart and life. Let us assure ourselves that at the day of judgment, men shall be judged according to their fruits. Paul says that one may speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not the love of God or charity being nothing more than sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, words giving no life, though spoken by men or angels, shall never be heard in the kingdom of heaven among the children of life. Faithful said, well, I was not too fond of his company at the very first, but I'm sick of it now. What shall we do to be rid of him? Christian, why go to him and start a serious discussion about the power of true faith to transform one's life. Ask him plainly whether this divine power is in his heart and life and how it affects his home and his everyday living. Faithful dropped back in the company with Talkative and said, Now, since you left it to me to choose the subject, let it be this. How does the saving grace of God manifest itself in the heart and life of men? Talkative responded, I see then that our conversation is to be about the power of things, and that is a very good subject, and you have asked an important question. I shall be glad to answer briefly. First, the grace of God in the heart causes a strong outcry against sin. Second, Faithful said, just a minute, let's take one thing at a time. I think the grace of God shows itself by causing the soul to abhor its sins. Well, that is. what is the difference between crying out against and abhorring sin? Faithful answered, why, a great deal. It is considered a good policy by some to cry out against sin, but no one can hate sin except by a godly distaste for it. I have heard preachers cry out against sin in the pulpit who nevertheless welcome sin in their heart and home and private life. Joseph's mistress cried out with a loud voice against what she falsely accused Joseph of as if she had been very chaste. Yet she had tried and failed to seduce Joseph to commit fornication with her. Some cry out against sin like a mother who scolds the baby in her lap, calling it a brat or pig, then hugs it to her bosom and kisses it finally. Talkative. I see you like to set traps. Oh, no, I only want to set things straight. But what is the second way you would prove that a man has the grace of God in his heart? Talkative answered, when he has extensive knowledge of gospel truth. Faithful responded, this should have been first, but first or last, it is also false. For great knowledge may be obtained from others about gospel truth, including the work of grace in a man's heart by one who does not have that grace in his own heart. Paul says a man may have all knowledge and understand all mysteries and yet be nothing. Christ said, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. He did not say, happy are you if you know them. He does not place the blessing in the knowledge that produces no doing. It is not enough just to know the truth, one must obey it. Therefore, your son is of no value. Extensive knowledge pleases talkers and boasters, but a faithful, obedient heart pleases God. Not that the heart can be made right without true knowledge, for without that it is untrustworthy, but knowledge without experience and good works is vain. Give me understanding, says the psalmist, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Talkative said, I see you have studied the Holy Scriptures for argumentation and to catch people up in their speech. This is not edifying. Faithful responded, well, perhaps you have another sign or proof of this work of saving grace in the heart. Talkative, no, not I, and I see we shall not agree. Faithful, well, if you do not have proofs, I will give mine with your permission. Talkative, use your own judgments. Faithful said, a work of grace in the soul manifests itself both to him who has it and to all who know him. The grace of God in a person's heart brings a conviction of sin, especially the sin of unbelief, and reveals the defilement of one's nature for which one feels sure he will be eternally condemned unless he finds the mercy of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This conviction and outlook works in him a deep sorrow and shame for sin. Then, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, is revealed to him the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for sin, the Savior of the world, and the necessity of accepting him at once as the only way of salvation This creates in him a hunger and thirst for righteousness, which leads him to repent and believe on Christ's forgiveness and salvation. Now the depths of his joy and peace, his love and holiness, his increase in knowledge and service to Christ are determined by the amount and strength of his faith. And one's faith will grow with use, overcoming doubt and fear, self-condemnation, confusion, misunderstanding of inner experiences, and one's selfish, carnal, distorted reason, judgment, and imagination. All this is irrefutable evidence to oneself that he has the grace of God. This grace manifests itself to others in two ways. First, by an open confession of faith in Christ and being baptized in his name and uniting with others who believe in him. Second, by life lived in harmony with his teaching to wit, praying daily for guidance and strength, earnestly studying God's word to learn and do his will, witnessing to others of his saving grace and giving of his time and money for service to Christ and others. By this, his family and neighbors know that he loves God and humanity, not in word only, but in deed and in truth. A hypocrite can talk of these things, but to have them and do them, one must be a child of God. Now, this is but a brief description of the work of grace and how it is manifested to men. If you have an objection, feel free to express it. If not, may I propound to you a second question. Talkative answered. no, my part now is not to object, but to hear. Therefore, let me have your second question. It is this, have you experienced the first part of this manifestation in your heart and do your life and daily conduct demonstrate it to others? Or does your religion consist only in talk and not in deed and, and in truth? Now, please, if you feel disposed at all to answer this, say no more than what you know to be the truth and what God will be pleased with, and no more than what your own conscience will approve. For not that not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Besides, to say I am thus and so when my daily living and all my neighbors tell me I lie is downright wicked. Talkative, beginning to blush, but recovering a little bit from his embarrassment, said, You have gone into this matter of experience, conscience, and God, and of appealing to God for justification of what is said or done. This kind of questioning I did not expect because I think these are private matters, and I do not consider myself bound to answer such questions, nor am I at all disposed to answer them. You may consider yourself an examiner, yet I refuse to accept you as my judge, but pray tell tell me why you ask me such questions. Faithful responded, Yes, because I saw your forwardness to talk, and I did not know whether you had anything but words. Besides to tell you the truth, I have heard that you are a man whose religion consists only in words and that your everyday life contradicts what you say. I'm told that you are a blemish among Christians and that you bring reproach on the religion of Christ, that some have already stumbled over your wicked ways and that many more are in danger of being destroyed by your ungodly example. Furthermore, I am told that your religion and taverns and covetousness and uncleanness, swearing, lying, and immoral company keeping, your immoral kept company keeping go together. As the proverb says of a whore that she is ashamed to all women, so you are ashamed to all professing Christians. Talkative said, since you are ready to take up reports and to judge one so rashly and unjustly, I cannot but conclude that you are a peevish, fault-finding, melancholy person, unfit for wholesome conversations. Therefore, I will bid you adieu. Christian, having stopped for a moment just ahead of them, now walks beside faithful. I told you how it would be. Your words and his lust could not mix. He would rather leave your company and turn away from the truth than to repent and let Christ change his life. But he has gone and let him go. The loss is all his own. He has saved us the trouble of separating from him. And unless he would have changed, which is doubtful, he would have been a bane and a blot in our company. Besides, the apostle says, from such withdraw thyself. But I'm glad we had this little discussion with him. It may be that he will think on these things. However, I have dealt honestly and sincerely with him and feel that I am clear of any responsibility if he is finally lost, said faithful. Christian, you did right to talk plainly to him. There is not enough of this faithful dealing with souls these days, and lack of that causes the people to undervalue the Christian faith. Then when these Talkative frauds, whose religion is only in word and who are debauched in their living and vain in their conversations, are admitted into the fellowship of Christians with the hope that they may be converted or contribute money. The people of the world are puzzled. The sincere are grieved, and Christianity is blemished. I wish that all Christians would deal with such as you have done then they would either be truly converted or they would show their colors and leave the congregation of the saved. Thus they went on their way, talking of what they had seen and learned, making their travel both profitable and enjoyable. Otherwise, no doubt, their journey would have been tedious, for now they trudged through a wilderness. End of chapter 5.